record. It's recording. Levels look good. All right. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm Ryan Van Biver, NFL editor at SB Nation. With me today, as always, are Stephen White and Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Going awesome. Excellent news. It's football. We got football tonight, guys. I know it's preseason football. Not everybody gets excited about preseason football, but uh, after the last four months, man, you got to take whatever breadcrumbs are on the table. That's kind of my opinion about it. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. Real football. I was thinking of training camp reports. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Everyone's an all-star in August. Everyone's yeah. pro- all-pro in August, man. <laughs> it's funny how the first couple of days of training camp, people are, like, ecstatic about, like, this, that, or the other thing. And then as, like, training camp goes on, it's, like, it gets real boring hearing about what's happening at training camp. It's... I read a thing today that I think it was Alex Marvez from Fox was at the at Rams training camp. I just wrote this thing. It's like the Rams are really thinking that now they're really over. They're not good. They're an immature team, but they're, they think they've really kind of changed. They're not going to buy into the hype this year. They know what they've got to do this year. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, I've been reading that same fucking article for six years every <laughs> Every day, every damn August, I read that freaking article. But they're going to have the best defense in the NFL this year. That's right. They might. Now they might. I'll have to say, even a cynic like me, you gotta, uh, you gotta look at that right, defense. Right. I think that's a pretty good group, man. We'll see. Big news today: uh, the NFL decided to do its news dump at uh, seven thirty in the morning instead of five thirty at night. And T.Y. Hilton has a new five-year contract extension uh, worth what sixty-five million with thirty-nine million guaranteed. Nice little deal for T.Y. Hilton, a budding young superstar. Not quite a. Not quite Des Bryant money, but he doesn't have quite that level of production as Des Bryant. What do you guys, what do you guys think of that deal? Did you, uh, did you like that deal? I think that's a good move for the Colts, obviously. Or I think it makes a lot of sense for them to do that, especially with uh, you know going just pairing him with Andrew Luck and keeping that connection together. I think mm-hmm. uh, you know he pr- he's proven that he's a high level talent, can play with some of the best uh, corners in the NFL and. Um, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense for them to keep him around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he, he's he's perfect for the offense, too. Yeah. I think that, yeah. you know, Pep Hamilton's offense, he's got guys running all over the field. And so you don't necessarily need that real big wide receiver like a Dez Bryant or a Demarius Thomas. A guy like T.Y. Hilton is going to excel, uh, you know, all the time. And he's small, he's fast. He can do everything you want him to do, and he's tough. And you want to lock those guys up as soon as you can. Yeah. Well, and they probably saved a little money, you know, from the team side than to let him go through another season and he gets another twelve, thirteen hundred yard season like that. Yeah, exactly. And then as the cap rises, you get more guys getting paid, and and they've also got a contract. Uh, they're going to have to get Andrew Luck locked up here pretty soon too. So, yeah, in, th- in theory too, it, it kind of um, is it the same situation as the Seahawks with Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, where. This next year, if they can't get anything done with Luck, they can use the franchise tag on him. They won't have to worry about yeah. two guys leaving, you know, potentially. And so yeah. it makes a lot of sense for them just to get it done now. Yeah. Perhaps they made some, you know, they gave him a little bit more in terms of what he was asking for to sign now rather than have them wait to hit free agency. Yeah. And that's going to be a pretty interesting offense because obviously there's Hilton, but, you know, the, you brought in um, – Philip Dorsett from the, in the first round of the draft this year, and Andre Johnson. 
Yeah. Their their receiver core in theory is gonna be sick. Um you know, obviously yep. with the addition, but yeah. you also have Devon Carter, I was gonna say, yeah. uh, and I've actually been following those reports. You know, he's uh, Chris Carter's kid, the one that kind of, you know went up to the CFL. Things didn't work out in college. He went up to the CFL, played well, and it was kind of a bidding war going on behind the scenes. I yeah. thought it was absurd at the time, but come to find out, he's been turning it up in camp. So, really, they're going to have a neat problem to have. Uh, we're pretty sure that Andre and T.Y. is going to start, but who backs them up and how much those backups play is going to be a pretty interesting problem, good problem, for Pep Hamilton and that offense to have. Yeah. They also have Dante Moncrief, their third-rounder from last year, who, you know, he he – freak athlete and very very fast but um you know he could kind of be one of those guys that figures it out second or third year and they could be seriously stacked yeah and he's the type to me it seems a little bit like too it's like well you've got i mean i think they've got a couple good seasons with andre johnson i mean i don't think andre johnson is in that um you know the hakeem nick sort of situation or or uh shit i can't reggie wayne you know when he was Hmm. finishing up his career there you know, where I think Johnson has a lot more left than I think some of the other receivers, you know, veteran receivers that you've seen kind of, you know, in the twilight of their careers like that. So yeah. I think that's a hell of an offense. And you Frank Gore, too, you know? Yeah. And I think Gore actually fits their offense really well, assuming they kind of continue running the Hamilton uh, power O type thing that, you know, that's essentially what they ran in San Francisco. So. Mm-hmm. He just fits like a glove there. So, you know, they're, they're an interesting team for this year in terms of, I mean, obviously their offense was what carried them last year, but, man, they could they could be a lot better even. Yeah. Um, they'll be the sexy pick for the AFC championship this year. Oh, yeah. For the AFC champions. They'll be the hipster pick. <laughs> <laughs> but I was on the Colts bandwagon before you were on the Colts bandwagon. <laughs> But it's a good deal. It's a good team. I always like watching the Colts. I think you know they're uh, they've become a pretty fun team to watch. I like what they've done, you know, in the last couple of years under Pajano. Um, and I think for as much criticism as maybe Ryan Grigson gets, or just has gotten and has deserved a little bit of it for uh, for his, some of his roster moves, I think this has been a really good off season for the Colts with the right kind, making the right kind of moves and and really supplementing that roster pretty well. I think that puts them in a great spot for 2015. Not in a great spot for 2015, as usual, the New York Jets. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. I guess Gino's going to be missing a little time, uh, six to ten weeks approximately with a with a $600 broken jaw. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, is there, I mean, I, I couldn't – is anything ever like – what is there an, an analogous example of something that's gone on like this in the past? I mean, I couldn't immediately think of anything. I can't think of anything. Yeah, not, not in this way, like not in the way that it affected the team itself. Yeah, because it's the starting quarterback. Yeah, you know, you can talk about uh, Steve Smith uh, punching Anthony Bright and breaking his nose, and then Steve Smith eventually gets arrested and stuff like that but it's anthony bright you know yeah. <laughs> he was on practice squad at the time <laughs> you're talking about the starting quarterback it, it's just absurd and, and look geno smith quiet as kept was having a fantastic camp for them yeah. he had he just on his first interception i think maybe the day before he 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 had been working with brandon marshall 
was actually beating uh, uh, th- those two guys were kind of beating um, um, Revis. Revis, Darrell Revis. Uh, on uh, goal line, I was watching those plays all the time. I'm like, I've never seen Geno make throws like that. Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, you're going to have to turn your team over to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think the magnitude of that broken jaw, we, we've never seen that in the NFL. No. And that's just, I mean, you know, and that's the team had invested in him. I mean, you know, they they didn't try to get another quarterback. They stuck with Geno, and they brought in weapons to really – I mean, the Brandon Marshall thing, obviously, they brought in a competent offense to put around him. And then to have that happen, man. <laughs> I guess, I mean, my first reaction to that, besides the, you know, the, off, the on-field impact, was this, is this the same dysfunctional Jets locker room? Is Todd Bowles going to be able to get a handle on this thing? I think he, the way he started is good. I mean, he kind of like, it seems like he nipped it in the bud by immediately releasing the guy and uh, you know set that example pretty quickly obviously he said if it was a starter or whoever it, they would have been released as well but that's probably not true um, or maybe it is I don't know I, yeah but yeah. I think he made the right, said the right things yeah yeah it, look I said this uh, brother you can't control crazy, okay? Yeah. This kid had had some trouble before in college, and it's not just the fact that he punched the off-duty cop. He, they ended up having to subdue him with the taser, and he still hadn't calmed down. So yeah. maybe, just maybe, we should probably be focusing more on this kid and his anger issues because I saw Albert Breer tweet yesterday that a bunch of teams had taken him completely off their board because of his anger issues. And yeah. so when you got one guy who's just maybe a knucklehead, I don't think you can blame the head coach for that. He did as much as he could do. He cut him immediately. As Danny said, that's probably you know, not going to happen if he's a starter, if for no other reason than financial reasons. But he did as much as he could do in this situation to handle the situation. He didn't make yeah. any bullshit remarks about, oh, we're going to come together and this is going to do this, that, and the fourth. He was just straight up. Look, they're acting like kids. One of them's got a broken jaw. One of them's out of work. And there's not much you can do about it except for move on. Yeah. I, except you know if he wants to press charges, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, technically he could do that. Yeah. Look, I would have to if I was him. He pretty much ruined Geno Smith's career. Yeah. You know, this, this is a make-or-break year for Geno. We all know that. And now he's not going to get a chance to even go out there and show what he can do. He's finally got a true number one receiver in Brandon Marshall, Everything was kind of looking up for him. And now, not only that, the dude isn't even out of work anymore. It took. Didn't even clear waivers. You know, it didn't even take a day. And not, right. He's a Buffalo Bill. And so, what, what punishment did he really have when he's going to make the same amount of money because he was picked up on waivers? And he may well end up still having a job. So, you know, if you're Dino Smith, I know some people might look at it funny, but look, look your career might, for the most part, be over as. You know, looking at being a starting quarterback in this league. And yeah. for me, I would have a hard time getting over that. And and the thing that kills me is just like, and then of course, the Bills and Rex Ryan picked him up. <laughs> and now, you know, I mean, on one hand, it's like, well, Ryan's the guy that, I mean, Ryan was a coach in New York when they drafted him, so he knows the guy. It's not like yeah. 
I mean, he's, you know, just doing this to, to have a little fun with it. But, I mean, it kind of is. At the same time, it's like this is like, you know, for I see Rex Ryan doing this. And, like, you know, the other thought I have is like, man, it, it's one thing to stick your middle finger up at the Patriots and the Jets and everybody else in the league. But you got to, like, you know, you've got to have some reason to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got to have some money in the account if you're going to cash that check to really mix up my metaphors there. But. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like Ryan Rex Ryan goes out and wins ten games. I mean, Bill Belichick could be an asshole. Well, look, because I, he wins twelve. There, games there's a another year. side to this too. Another side of that coin is this: Look, Todd Bowles has never been a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, and they're bringing a new offense and potentially a new defense, and so there might be a, a situation where they're bringing this guy in to kind of pick his brain. Look, they're in the same division. And they're trying to win the division. So if you can get a, a, a step up on the Jets, that's going to help. Rich Ryan, because the, the, the honest to God truth is, they're not hurting for defensive linemen no. with Buffalo. <laughs> you know, they got plenty of edge rushers over there. That defense was already stocked before Rex ever got there. So I'm not even sure this kid is going to make that team. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to take a whole lot for him to be on the active roster once the season starts. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and dismiss the fact that, look, he just punched the dude in the face and broke his jaw. There's some bad <laughs> fucking karma that Rich Ryan is bringing on himself with this move, man. Look, and he does it all the time. You would think he might learn, but he, got the, he has this thing about him where he feels like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants to, and nothing's ever going to fall apart, even though it just fell apart with the Jets. So, yeah. look, good luck to him with that, you know, and he's going to have to answer for that for sure. But I want to be charitable and say maybe he's just doing it to kind of get a leg up on a division opponent, but that is a huge fucking step to make, statement to make, a day after the dude broke the starting quarterback's jaw for the team just was coaching. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you know, it's the, we haven't had a preseason story like that in a long time. I'm surprised it hasn't really, I guess we could thank Tom Brady and the NFL's court battle to kind of give us something else to talk about this week. Because, I mean, really, that's the kind of, that's the weirdest preseason story I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Wow. Look, look at the timeline and see some shit and be like, okay, that's a joke, right? <laughs> That's literally how I saw it. When I saw this come down my timeline, um, uh, one of the Jets beat writers said that Geno had a broken jaw. And I'm like, is this April Fool's Day? Who would have ever thought some shit like that could even happen? <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing. <laughs> I heard I was at the owners meeting in Chicago and then I was walking by the hallway and I heard somebody talking to Mark Davis and someone goes did you hear about the guess good thing you're not not the Jets right now Mark Davis goes tough stuff man tough stuff <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was the sum total of Mark Davis's comments that I overheard so it was a uh, uh, that was fun and speaking of the owners meeting they were there to discuss Los Angeles um I, you know what my takeaway on this all was? The elevator version of it, the R-rated elevator version of it. Nobody knows who the fuck's going to Los Angeles in 2016. Mm. I mean, I think you've got two viable stadium projects and three teams that want to get there, or at least two teams that definitely want to get there, and the Raiders just kind of seem happy to go along for the ride. 
is the takeaway I got because the Chargers people are the one that's out are the ones that are really out lobbying hard for that Carson project. But um, it's uh, I think the NFL's playing the two sides and the four cities against each other or off of each other and and uh, they're gonna let it ride and and decide at some point in January before the Super Bowl rolls around. Oh, so you don't think we're going to hear before the season starts anymore? No, I don't think so. I think so. at one point well, that was kind of the expectation, but. I think they want to give, because the St. Louis Stadium project is probably going to get cleared. I mean, the people that set this up knew. I mean, you go and look at that court case in St. Louis where, um, you know, the the mayor's office challenged the stadium task force about voting on this that you know the because all well, the mayor's off there's a standing law on the books in st louis that voters passed twice not once but twice voters collected signatures and passed the law by an overwhelming majority twice that you know any public money for stadiums would have to be used to the to you know would have to go through a public vote and it was vague because they didn't want you know one particular stadium to kind of be able to figure out a loophole in that. So they, they left it broad. And then you have the mayor's office, which supports the stadium fighting the law, fighting the stadium task force in court to uh, over the public, you know, over the voter thing. So naturally they're not going to appeal the decision because they have no reason to appeal the decision because the mayor's office is for the decision, even though they fought it in court. So the thing's been rigged from the get go to make sure that they can get the public funding. And I think the biggest hurdle is going to be the governor of Missouri, who's a Democrat, having to fight off um, challenges from the Republicans, the more conservative Republicans in the state, especially in the rural part of the state, over this. But And I don't know that there's a lot they can do, to be honest with you. I mean, they could there's some legislative tactics they could pull, but I don't know that there's much they could do. So I think it comes down to the NFL wants to kind of let St. Louis go through this and get it squared away. And then even if the Rams do then move to Los Angeles, because I think the NFL is pretty happy with the stadium plan that Kroenke's putting together in Inglewood, then they can kind of use that. Well, LA's got a team in it. Now we can use, come back and use St. Louis for our leverage to get Oakland and San Diego, a new deal. (laughs) So it's, you know, just, Incredible, the, an incredible moment for American democracy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And because we really don't, I don't think we, there, we give corporations enough taxpayer money right now. So, you know, this is good that now we can make sure we can give them a little bit more. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. And the NFL, it's the hard times out there. <laughs> Didn't each team make 200 and something million dollars last yep. year? Then that's just the TV money. <laughs> for real. Wow. I mean, that, 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 they made much more than that. Oh, we yeah. shouldn't really even focus on that. That, that just tells us the, the, the floor of yeah. what they paid yeah. uh, last year. So, and the thing I got to ask you is, what happens to whichever team can't go? I mean, <laughs> look, I saw somebody uh, reporting that basically uh, no matter what St. Louis do, their owner is, you know, bound and determined to get out of there. Yeah. So even with that vote, he's still trying to move. What do you do if you can't go there? Like, how do you now come back and be like, no, nah, we we were just playing. Yeah. We didn't really want to go. <laughs> we're happy I mean, to be you know, here. Like, if you're that fan base, how do you feel about that? If you're the lucky or unlucky fan whose team doesn't actually get to leave town. I mean, yeah. that, that's very interesting. Well, and right now, I mean, they're not saying, I mean, 
the Rams people aren't talking to the press really at all. Now, you know, the, the Chargers people will go out there and tell you that the Carson Stadium project can do pretty much everything but turn water into wine. And, and, and the Rams people won't hardly say anything. And I think part of that is because they don't want to – I mean, you know, they still have to sell tickets this year too, you know what I mean? And it's it's already a struggle to, to sell tickets in St. Louis when you're – team is as exciting as that as it is so <laughs> it, you know i think they've got that to contend with but i mean I, I really think you know and if they don't choose the rams i just kind of wonder i think the question now is would Cronky sue them i mean he's the one he's got the money to do it i mean you, he's the second richest owner in the national football league behind paul allen paul allen yeah. seahawks aren't going anywhere yeah, who, who is he going to sue, though? The rest of the owners? I she, guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that ain't going to work out very well for him. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I, you know, he's not uh, uh, Al Davis here. He, he might want to be, <laughs> but I, I don't see that working out very well for him. No, no. <laughs> well, and that's why I think, I don't know. I mean, I, and I think anyone that has a prediction, it's just that. It's a prediction, and maybe you can take what's out there and, and make an educated guess at it. But I still think it's, it's hard to kind of uh, – it's hard to know, and I don't think the NFL knows. And if, if anyone suggests the NFL has a preference, I think it's a preference that can change from week to week. It'll be interesting, though, because the Chargers people and Carmen Policy are out in front with the media. It'll be interesting to see if they do kind of push that narrative shift and, and give more narrative momentum to the Chargers and Raiders project and how that translates to it. But it's... It's a hell of a thing to watch, and it just sucks because, like, fans in four cities are going to get strung along now. Yeah, they're all in limbo for, yeah. like, the next year. Yeah, and the only owner that's actually come out and said, I want to stay in Oakland, or I want to stay in my home city, is, is Davis in Oakland. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kroenke doesn't say anything, and the Chargers like, well, we just can't get it done. And so they're sort of openly hostile to the San Diego Stadium efforts, but... You know, they do seem at least sort of willing to talk, but, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, so that's the latest in the uh, the NFL corporate world. <laughs> the saga continues. Yeah. Um, speaking of sagas continuing, Deflategate, I guess oh, they were God. back in court a little bit today to talk some settlement. Surprisingly enough, they haven't arrived at a settlement yet. And um, I think it might be have a lot to do with the fact that uh, Jason LeCanfora reported this today, and we saw it, a couple other people reporting it. Some yes, talking about it some yesterday was that uh, they want Brady to do, to admit guilt in turn in, in to in order to arrive at any sort of reduced punishment for him. Yeah, it's like the what I saw is the NFL doesn't have definitive proof. And they're asking for Brady, and they're asking for Brady to admit guilt. You know, yeah. that's like their thing because they don't want to, you know, I guess save face. They want to save face or whatever. But, yeesh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. That's a uh, situation is ridiculous. I like at first I was I was kind of it was kind of fun to pay attention to. But now I'm just like, okay, this needs to end. Like, <laughs> get it up with. I don't even care if he's not suspended at this point. Just just go. Just end it. <laughs> Well, I mean, how can he go? I mean, what? How can he come in and admit he was guilty? I mean, the only they just they don't they don't have the evidence to conclusively prove that he was guilty. He's got relatively plausible deniability. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, the judge, the judge yesterday on the part that was open to reporters, you know, openly questioned the NFL like, 
is this all the fuck you got? Like, where's the rest of it? Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. No, see, you don't understand. See, see, we could have had it from his phone, but see, and he's just like, no, but but really, how do you even have a tie to him to this? <laughs> so, and that's why a lot of the, the legal experts, many of whom who thought the NFLPA were doomed initially, Kind of yesterday, we're like, yeah, the NFL might want to go ahead and settle. Yeah. And talk this bullshit about admitting guilt. And look, remember, we talked about this a couple months ago. Remember, they had him under oath. Yeah. During this appeal hearing. So they not only want him to admit guilt, they want him to admit he committed perjury. Yeah. Yeah, You can kiss my ass. Yeah. I mean, he, he gains nothing from admitting guilt in this thing. He might as well let it play out. If that is your line in the sand, I mean, he's already made it this far. He might as well just go ahead and run out the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's kind of funny because the NFL is so hell-bent to get him to admit he's guilty, that he did it and participated in deflating football somehow. But, you know, heaven forbid the NFL come out and admit, well, we kind of fucked up the investigation. We were wrong here. <laughs> we spent $20 million Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we didn't really have any evidence. So just like Bounty Gate, we didn't really have any evidence there. And just like Ray Rise, and just like Adrian Peterson, and just like Greg Hardy, we didn't. Uh, we fucked up. We didn't really do it well. <laughs> and, and you know, if you're Tom Brady, you kind of got to be pissed off too, because you know, like last week when they came out with the transcripts of what he said versus what the NFL said he said, that was a pretty big difference. There. Yeah, you know, they were trying to make it seem like. He's totally being a dick about it, whereas, you know, a lot of stuff he said was actually pretty reasonable. Yeah. So if you're him and they already tried to twist your words, you're not going to give that. You know, you're not going to give up and say, yeah, okay, you got me. I'm guilty. You're just not going to do it. It's too much much bad blood now, and and you get nothing out of it in the first place. Yeah. Well, and this is a guy, too. I mean, like, this is, I mean, to me, it comes back to some of it is, you know, here's probably the most famous guy playing the game right now. Yeah. And the most well-known professional, one of the most well-known professional athletes, period, in America. One of the most popular professional athletes. One of the most popular celebrities. He's married to a model. Yeah. <laughs> Supermodel. I mean, Supermodel. That's just a model. Supermodel. A supermodel so super, <laughs> she even makes more money than he does. Way, way more. Way more. Way more. <laughs> Because that's why you got to think about that. NFL, as powerful as as much money as the NFL makes as popular as it is, it ain't nothing on selling clothes to people, I guess. That's insane to me, by the way, just randomly, how much money she makes. It really is, but, you know, <laughs> more power to her. Yeah. 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 Big business, man. It's a... Uh, but, yeah, then to just, you know, to turn this into a witch hunt. And now you've pissed off one of your, you know, most important ambassador owners... In the He's game publicly too. turning on you now. Yeah, as a publicly question the whole fucking thing. Ugh, what a mess! Yeah, this, this, I'm sure they did. This is not what they envisioned when they first started this whole thing. No, and I have so many questions. Anyway, I would like the judge. Look, if you didn't even record the situations, I mean the the the, the, the I don't know the, the 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 temperature and you know what time it was and all these different things, the circumstances yeah. of these balls being deflated, how could you even possibly recreate that in a lab somewhere? Yeah. So I mean, even from the get-go, they fucked this up. They don't even know what air gauges they use to test the football. <laughs> so 
I mean, this has started off as a clusterfuck, and it's just getting worse and worse. The most, and think about that too. I mean, think about that from the NFL's competency level. It's like the most important part of the whole damn thing. All of professional football, the ball, the football, the thing that makes it all possible. <laughs> they don't have the, a basic understanding of how that thing works. They don't know what happens to it when it gets in the cold weather or hot weather. They don't know what happens to it. They don't have concrete scientific evidence to know that, well, if we take a football from indoors at a stadium, outdoors in January for a playoff game where it's 20 degrees out, we have no idea what's going to happen to the ball in that situation. Yeah, a lot of it is very reactive, like trying to figure out after the fact, you know, what their rules are or whatever. And I guess they, you know, they didn't really enforce it very much before. Either. No, and it's gas law. It's not like this is figuring out how to split the atom or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, they're just, they just got to kind of know, you know, hey, when you take a ball from a 70-degree room to a 15-degree field, this is what happens to it. Yeah. And, and, and then that begs the question, look, if you look and both teams' balls were not regulation, then why are you only investigating one team yeah. and one quarterback? Yeah. And, and that's what makes them look so bad. I mean, I looked through the transcript, and one of the funniest exchanges I saw was, uh, I think it was Kessler talking to uh, uh, one of the scientists or something, no, to, to Wells, to Ted Wells, and Brady was pissed off after the Jets game because the balls were too big. They were like 16 PSI or whatever. So they weighed above what they were supposed to be, which doesn't make any sense if they're deflating all the footballs. And uh, Ted Wells turns around and Kessel's like, so you're trying to tell me that even though they were talking about balls being too inflated, you read that to mean they were talking about stuff that was deflated. And Ted Wells, of course, said yes, because up is down and, you know, left is right. And it's just the dumbest fucking thing in the world, and we made this huge deal out of it. Let it fucking go. Yeah. Okay, but what you're supposed to do then, really in that case, is say, okay, you know what? Y'all probably got over on us this time. Yeah. Don't do that shit no more. We're going to put in these new rules to make sure you can't do it no more, and we're going to chalk it up to the game. But yeah. the NFL being the NFL just can't let shit go. And now here we are still in court. You're in the middle of fucking training camp. So yeah. we still don't even know if he's going to be able to play in a couple of weeks. No. And, and, and that's what I just, I guess my thing is the, the fundamental thing I keep coming back to is why in the hell are you just, are you, is the NFL going through all this to go after one of its top players and one of its, you know, I mean, this isn't, you know, the Ray Rice video. This isn't the Adrian Peterson incident. And it's, it's not even the... You know, when you first read about Bounty Gate, how bad that looked. Well, of course, then you dug into the evidence on it. It was all bullshit. But at the same time, it's like this isn't really like you just don't have anything to go on here. And you don't have any precedent where people have been suspended four games and lost a team has lost a first round draft pick and paid a million dollar fine for fucking around with the footballs. And, and nobody gives a fuck. That, I, that's know, what it was. That I know. I know. People cared about Bounty Gate because they thought players were going after well, guys, yeah. you know. People cared about Ray Rice because domestic violence. Nobody gives a shit about deflated football. Not a single person is calling in, we won't uh, braid his head on a platter because he deflated football. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And it's made something that small, literally a mountain out of a molehill for the first time in history. I mean, well, not for them, but it's just amazing how they could make something 
so simple and small in the sum this big. And it damages their – I mean, I, people will look at the TV ratings and stuff and say, like, well, it doesn't hurt their brand at all. People are still going to watch football. Yeah, people are still going to watch football. And people are still going to play fantasy football, and that's not going to change it. But it hurts. It makes the league look bad when it's like, hey, we're going to take one of our biggest superstars and go on a jihad against the guy just because we think he may or may not have deflated a half a pound to a pound of air pressure out of a football before a game, even though we don't know he did. And we're going to take one of our most important owners – you know, a guy that does, you know, that works, that's been there to help, you know, was the voice of reason in the collective bargaining agreement discussions in 2011. And we're going to piss him off over this whole thing, too, and then stick his team for a million bucks in a first-round draft pick. It's just, you know, I, I don't know that anything's going to bring down Goodell or anything like that, but... And I'm not in that camp that thinks Goodell's just a just an idiot who's pre-programmed to spit out talking points in front of the press, because I think he's his background and I mean I think what he has done in marketing and and television deals and that realm of the game and the the corp the business of the game has been really impactful and has been really important for the growth of the NFL. But at some point, you also have to look at this and think, you know what? The popularity of the NFL is such that we don't need some fucking idiot up there <laughs> throwing our top, our most marketable player under the bus over this quote unquote integrity of the game thing. Because I mean, and it looks like it's well, maybe this is just a piss and match with the with the players' association to say, listen, I, we're we have the power here, and you can piss up a rope because we can suspend a player for whatever the hell we want to suspend a player for if we feel like it's violates the integrity of the game and maybe it's some personal quest that goodell has but i think this is what you know you don't piss off your friends when your friends are billionaires well i think that i think that is really what it is it's 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 not even really about the footballs anymore it's just about power and and what goodell can do and the i guess uh you know what he it's the nflpa versus the nfl and it's like setting up precedent that they're not going to take you know all this uh the power mongering by the nfl and it's kind of setting up a you know negotiations for the next uh cba i think that's kind of what they're doing it's like that's why the nfl has dug their heels in or sorry the nflpa has dug their heels in and um you know it's it's more like the principle at this point i think yeah well, I, I could see it from the NFL PA side for sure. But if you're the NFL, that's even more of a reason for you to let the shit go. Yeah. Like I said, initially, the NFL PA has the perfect defendant in Tom Brady. If you're the NFL, you're supposed to recognize that and say, you know what? We don't really want this to ever reach a courtroom because if we lose, we're going to lose big. Yeah. Okay. If we just go ahead and say, you know what? Maybe we overstepped our bounds. Maybe this was just much ado about nothing. We're going to warn you this better not happen again. We're going to race this whole thing. What happens? A little egg on your face. Everybody moves on. Yeah. Now, if you lose in court, that's going to set a precedent. Yep. So, to me, I think, okay, I understood initially. But at some point, because this hasn't been, you know, a, a very quick process, they had plenty of time to sit back and say, you know what? We're fucking up right now, okay? Yeah. We, we had good intentions at first, but we're going down the wrong pathway right now. Let's pull back and say, we're not going to let them take us to court and beat us. We're going to go ahead and smooth this over. 
you know, erase this, say, look, we, we, we overreacted at first. That's pretty much what they did on, you know, the reverse side with, with Ray Rice and them. You know, at first it was two games and you give him forever, basically. Yeah. You know, and so if you can do it on that side to up a punishment, surely you can do it to lower a punishment. Yeah. I just think right now the egos have taken over, and if they lose in court, that might be the thing that actually gets Goodell, you know, on the way out of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially when he had, you know, you piss off one of your biggest allies, too. It's just... Right, because cause it's got to be some people in the middle. it has got to be some owners in the middle right now that don't really give a shit either way. But it's kind of one of those things where, look, Roger, we don't really care if you do this, but you better fucking win. Yeah. Because if we lose and we look bad... That's going to be your ass. Yeah, exactly. And they will look bad when they lose this thing because it's – people watch the – you know, not like – you know, the three of us, like we're, we would watch the NFL regardless. We like football. But, I mean, you know, the NFL's popular appeal is because of people like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and guys like that. It's They watch it because these are relatable – superstars that they they like to watch and even if they don't care about what a sweeping is and what a you know the a tape breakdown or anything like that you know they they like these people they like to watch these guys play the game and that's you to start taking guys like that off the field and running down their character it, it just you know it soils the product yeah the nfl is a soap opera for a lot of people you know it's uh and he's one of the main characters and so i'm sure a lot of people are going to be on his side in terms of <laughs> this whole thing so <laughs> they're, they're gonna you know what the worst outcome of this is they're gonna end up turning everybody into a patriots fan and i just don't know if i can live in a world <laughs> like that because <laughs> <No. laughs> so, like think about that poor sketch artist man God, that was <laughs> getting hard. death threats from patriots fans because of that what the hell <laughs> seriously <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Well, that's uh, that's all the hot takes I've got on that for now. Speaking of hot <laughs> takes, I don't want to give too much away, but I just got a picture from PFT Commenter. He's in Bristol, Connecticut this week. <laughs> and uh, I just got a picture of PFT Commenter sandwiched between Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. Oh, oh no. I don't, want, I'm, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I, I think something pretty exciting is probably going to come out of that. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, speaking of marketable stars, did you guys watch Hard Knocks this week? I yes, have not is. seen it yet. Stephen has, though. Yeah, yeah I, I watched it uh, twice actually. Well, so let me give you the Danny. Let me give you my quick summary of it, and Stephen yeah, can t- talk a little bit on it too. But it's a hundred times better than the Falcons one was last year. <laughs> okay. Oh man, it, it, look, the thing that they get usually on Hard Knocks, which is why people like it, is they usually pick a couple guys, and those are kind of the stars of the show. And I don't know if the Falcons, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, the Falcons just didn't have anybody with that kind of personality, but J.J. Watt seems to make everybody's job easily. And then you got Vince Wilfork, you know, shooting threes on a basketball court talking shit. So you couldn't really (laughs) mess with those two guys. And then they had the big fight, you know, at Redskins training camp. So it was very, very entertaining. 
They didn't have well, they did have a coach that kind of was like Brian Cox too. There's the head coach, Bill O'Brien, cussing yep. every other it kind of sounded like me. <laughs> it's not a fact. But it was pretty entertaining, man. Way better than last year. Yeah, it was really. I really enjoyed I, the, the new Copkins and D'Angelo Hall stuff was pretty great too. I really enjoyed that, and that's even continued today on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> yeah, I Twitter did. is the best. Yeah. I mean, social media is the best. Period. But tw- Twitter is like immediate feedback. Oh yeah, you can't, you can't try to talk trash and send subliminal messages because somebody might actually see it and respond, and that's oh, what yeah. happened today. <laughs> it's so good man it's so good but i really like that uh I, the, this is going to be a good year for hard knocks just based on one episode i can i feel confident saying that um you know, go ahead I say that you know I, I saw some people kind of um questioning jj watt right and i get it you know he's an all-american Boy, you know, uh, Steve Rogers, you know, Captain America type guy, does everything (laughs) right. And I get it. You know, sometimes you just feel like it's too good to be true. But for me, I've actually played with a guy like that in Derrick Brooks, where, Uh you know, here's a guy that you can't find anybody saying anything bad about him. He's always doing extra stuff on the field and off the field. And so I think as many of us are cynical and, and I'm one of the worst, Sometimes you just, just got to kind of enjoy it. Look, to this point, we don't have any reason to believe that J.J. Watt isn't exactly who he says he is. And so for me, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm not going to keep second-guessing everything, waiting for another shoe to drop. Let's just enjoy the fact that one of the best players, if not the best player in the NFL, also happens to be a pretty good guy. Yeah. So, An interesting guy, too. I mean, you know, some of that stuff, yeah, I can see where people do get tired of it, but some of the stuff is, you know, it – also kind of like, well, he's human too, at least. He's not a robot out there spitting out uh, on to Cincinnati, you know what I mean? Right, I mean, he's cracking jokes and yeah. stuff and talking shit like everybody else. So, you know, he's human, but he's just a good dude. So, yeah. it happens. People hate, people hate everything. That's the, that's the life. They do. <laughs> yeah, and that's the Twitter thing. There's I think the Twitter thing sometimes, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'm always afraid to say I like a player or a team or something on Twitter. It's like, man, I can't be doing that. I'll get no end of shit today. Oh, it, it, there's not a guy you can say you like that somebody won't be like, he's an asshole. What do you he's mean? He's terrible. Why do you hate him? Or why do you love him? I mean, this lady's getting cyber bullied for making a bad picture of Tom Brady. Like, that just tells you all you need to know about people. <laughs> I will say, and I understand, like, the court, like, the whole sketch art is like, it, they have to work incredibly fast. And, you know, there's not much, you know, it's not like they have time to go back to the studio and refine this. But I will say the first thing I saw when I thought I saw that picture and I was traveling yesterday, so I was kind of in and out. So I was late getting to it. But the first thing I saw was I was like, that looks like Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. (laughs) (laughs) And if you Google Richard Ramirez, it's like, oh, yeah, it does kind of. It actually does. It really does. That's what made me laugh so hard. I hadn't thought of it. And I don't want to compare Tom Brady to a serial killer because I think even the NFL would say that he's not done anything quite at that <laughs> level. <but>. Not quite. <laughs> Although you wonder sometimes the way they're going after him. Hey, speaking of the super, the next superstar, the next potential superstar, Marcus Mariota, he's having a very good training camp. Hasn't thrown an interception in training camp. 
So, uh, and I'm sure that's probably because the Titans' defensive backs are so incredibly great. But uh, <laughs> and it's been it's been extensively journaled. It has been extensively uh, journaled. So I guess that we should probably just go ahead and kick Tom Brady out of the league and make more room for Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Does this matter? Just, I mean, it just sets him up, I think, for failure or whatever. Like it just seems like a weird thing to to, to pay so close attention to. Training camp interceptions. Yeah, it's it's odd. You know, here's the thing. I I, I follow uh, Jim Wyatt, who used to write for the Tennessee, and now he actually works for the Titans uh, as their in-house kind of blogger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd kind of been noticing every day that he wasn't throwing interceptions. It, I, I don't think it even started off that way. It was just kind of making a note that, okay, he had a good another good day, yeah. no interceptions. Then after a while, I was like, okay, it's day seven, still no interceptions. So it, I, I was going to dismiss it out of hand, yeah. but then I started thinking about it, and I said, look, it may not mean he's the second coming. It might mean that their defense is awful, but it does mean something. Because yeah. just like every other quarterback you can name, they're throwing an interception at this point. So either their defense sucks, or maybe he is the second coming, and let's be honest, one of the Biggest, best things he did in college was take care of the football when it comes to throwing yeah. it. Now, he had some problems with fumbling, but he only had four interceptions as, uh, in his last year. And I think over the course of his career, he only had a couple more interceptions than Jameis had his last season at F- FSU. So he's shown that he's the type of player that's going to take care of the football and still be able to take shots down the field. Because as far as I know, he's been taking quite a few shots down the field to Justin Hunter and um, – Doyle Green Beckham. Yeah. So uh, it means something. It's just a matter of we're going to have to take a look at these preseason games and stuff to see what exactly it does mean. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, on the flip side of that, when a, when a quarterback does throw interceptions in training camp, it's not, you know, I mean, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to get too upset about it. It's training camp. He threw an interception. They're just practicing. Yeah. So, That's- I mean, to not do that at all. Uh, you know, for a week and a half, two weeks into that, that's kind of it is. That's it's notable. That's for sure. And they play Atlanta on Friday tomorrow night. They play, and that's a nationally televised game. That's gonna be on the NFL Network. So we'll get to see. I guess for what about a quarter or so, we'll get to see Mariota out there. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing to me is they have a bunch of weapons now. Yeah, as far as the skill position. If Doyle Green Beckham comes on and, and knocks off the rust, they have a lot of weapons at wide receiver. They need, you know, some help at running back. They got a pretty good tight end, too. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've been rebuilding that offensive line. Hey, man, look, <laughs> if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm just saying you might want to be a little bit excited heading into these preseason yeah. games. And I'm kind of like, and to segue off Mariota just a little bit, not too much, but I'm kind of excited to see DGB because I haven't seen, you know, obviously somebody that I've seen play even going back into high school because he's from Missouri. But it's, uh, you know, you see some clips of him. He doesn't look like he sat out a year of football last year. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out and run the perfect route or anything when the game's start and he's got to play – against press man coverage against an NFL cornerback, but he's, uh, you know, he doesn't look like he missed a season of football is what I'm saying. Yeah. They got some high ceiling guys over there. Yeah. I know he's not going to be perfect out of the gate, but 
You can't teach six six, right? No, I mean, no, not at that's all. That's the thing about it. Even if he looked rusty, you can't teach six six. So you got him at six six. I think Justin Hunt is six four. You got Kendall Wright, who's excellent uh, working the underneath routes, mm-hmm. uh, and then you got uh, um, the tight end going up the seam. Like I said, Delaney I mean, Walker they got some weapons now. a pretty good tight end too. Delaney Walker, he's pretty underrated. Yeah, very underrated. I mean, that was why they let Jared Cook go. So the Rams could spend $40 million. <laughs> it always comes full circle. <laughs> it sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> but, no, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about Mariota. And then Winston, you got Winston going on Saturday night against none other than the Houston. T- no, he's against Minnesota on Saturday night. Yeah. And, and Which will be a pretty good game to watch, too. I like the preseason, man. It's fun. It's it's uh. The other thing maybe that's kind of fun about it is it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's, like, less stressful to watch. It's just more like watching football for watching football. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But, like, when I watch football, I'm mostly stressed. <laughs> so. Well, well, it's a different kind of stress because you got to worry about yeah. injury. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. watch somebody's ACL get ripped in half. And, and that's the biggest thing for me with Winston because as opposed to Mariota, who has a pretty decent offensive line in front of him, I'm still not sure about the offensive line that James is going to have. Now, he's got those big wide receivers, big tight end, too. So he's got some weapons outside, too. I'm just a little bit nervous about how – because, look, Minnesota's defensive line is no joke. No uh, way. I mean, uh, you know, they, they've been kicking ass all preseason, too. So I'm a little nervous about that. But as far as the outcome of the game, man, just just being able to sit back in the fourth quarter and not care yeah. is like the best thing about preseason. It really is. And, like, you can kind of flip around a watch, and you don't have to worry about, like, well, if I miss the end of this game, it's no big deal. It doesn't count. I don't have to, you know. I mean, you might miss a good play or something like that. But it's also, it's like, well, the guys that are playing in the fourth quarter, you know, they're probably not generally the guys you're going to be talking a lot about in October either. So it's uh yeah it's way less like i was thinking like compared to a sunday in the regular season where you just feel like your hair is on fire and you're trying to get everything <laughs> done and you got to get communicated to everybody and get start thinking about what you're going to do through up through that next friday on by sunday at noon it's just whoo yeah that's why the preseason i always enjoy it a little bit you nailed it you nailed it that's how i feel <laughs> but i'm excited I'm, I'm looking forward to that and we've got Six games tonight. Um, the two nationally televised games, uh, uh, Green Bay at New England, mm. where you probably won't see too much star power. But Because uh, I, I guess why would you really probably put Aaron Rodgers out there any more than you had to? Well, I don't know if Brady's going to play or not. I, don't, I think I heard Brady's not playing. Right. And I guess for guys like that, too, that's the other thing with the preseason. Like, well, I mean, you know, like Steven Jackson wouldn't play much in the preseason. Like, well, Steven Jackson doesn't need to play in this preseason because Steven Jackson knows what the fuck he's doing when the game (laughs) starts on Sunday. You know what I mean? But then you got Dallas and San Diego is the other, the 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. game, Eastern time. Yeah, you know you won't see much of Romo either. No, no. I I wonder if he'll play at all in that one. Probably shouldn't. I would think. No, no. But San Diego's kind of interesting because I think San Diego, you've got a pretty – I mean, San Diego's a team to me that could really be something this year. I mean, I think they've done some smart stuff to upgrade. That offensive line is a much better group than it was last year. 
It'll be fun to see their uh, their running back too. If he's is he going to play this Melvin week? Melvin Gordon, I would think yeah. so. That'll be fun to see him. See how he does. Yeah. You got Washington and Cleveland tonight too. So a little Johnny football action. Oh, there we go. What? RG three action. Oh yeah, that's right. Got him up in Washington, so. I'm sure that, and then, you know, that'll probably be by the week four of the preseason. I'm sure that'll probably be a tire fire over there in Washington. <laughs> Tradition yeah, holds. <laughs> I know. What are you guys looking forward to out of the preseason, or at least this week's games? Maybe where you look most most looking forward to watching this week, Stephen. You know, I actually look for the lower run teams in the preseason. The teams that might actually make a move up towards the upper echelon. Uh-huh. And the reason being is because those teams are usually going to play more guys that's going to, you know, actually play during the regular season. Whereas you establish teams like we talked about with the Patriots and yeah. the Cowboys, they're going to sit a bunch of guys. I want to see those guys for, you know, Cleveland. I bet Cleveland plays their starters a lot because yeah. they need to. In the same way with Washington and Tampa Bay and Tennessee and those teams and see which one of them can kind of maybe give you a, 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 an idea that they could make a push this year uh, and maybe, you know, be that surprise team to get into the playoffs. So I'm always looking for the surprise guys and the surprise teams. And so that's why I look for in the preseason. Yeah. Danny. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I like on one hand, are definitely like the surprise teams. Like I'll be looking forward to watching like, you know, the Jaguars and teams that have been adding a lot of talent, but haven't really put it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, teams that have coaching changes. So like, you know, just in my neck of the woods, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Falcons this year and and kind of how Dan Quinn changes things there and what, you know, what kind of things that he brings to that, that franchise. Um, And then, yeah, I just, I think a lot of the preseason is like, finding out what teams have good depth, you know, cause, um, yeah, with the NFL season, so much of it is, you know, surviving the attrition, the battle of attrition, you know, when it comes to injuries mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, um, you know, you get to kind of see which teams have some good depth and, you know, that's, that's the interesting part for me, obviously finding out kind of what some of these rookies that and rookies and second year players that you scouted heavily over the last couple of years, how they're looking. I think that's really fun just because, it kind of takes like the draft part of it and translates to the to the regular or to the to the NFL, and um, that, that's really interesting to me. Just kind of seeing like how your evaluations hold up for some of these guys, and so those are the main things I like to watch in the preseason. Yeah. Well, it should be good. We got a there's a slate of good games this week. It's uh, I you know I always kind of like the way they schedule the preseason too because well like we kind of said that you're not trying to watch you know, 10 games at one time at one o'clock on Sunday. But, you know, like this, like, okay, you've got Sunday, you've got one game at one o'clock in the middle of the day. I mean, that's kind of a nice little break. You know, we watch one game on a Sunday afternoon, chill out, not, you know, not have to stress about the other ones on TV. Then you got a, a few on Saturday, a few on Thursday, a few on Friday. It's like a buffet. You can kind of pick and choose <laughs> where you want the action at. It's like a trip to the Golden Corral, man. And if you just want to go to the to the soft serve machine and the chocolate fountain where God knows how many kids have stuck their hands in it, you can do that. <laughs> Perfect. 
So uh, that is not an endorsement for Golden Crow, but if Golden Crow wanted to sponsor this podcast, I'm sure we would be willing to work something out. (laughs) (laughs) And we won't mention about how many times we've seen kids stick their hands in the chocolate fountain there. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) They're booger-crusted hands in the chocolate fountain. (laughs) That's a... That's a, well, that, that's a good way to end it, I guess, right there, huh? <laughs> yeah, sure. Everybody, uh, everybody sat a lot. Well, school started here, so it's like school started here today. So everybody's like, you know, everybody's going to be everybody's gonna be heading out for some celebration this weekend, I guess. I felt like celebrating as soon as 8.30 rolled around this morning. Like, oh, my God, the house is so quiet. I can't believe it. <laughs> my productivity has already increased. <laughs> So, uh, well, guys, it's been a good one. Um, we'll reconvene again next week. We'll have uh, we'll have some real football to talk about at that point Man. too. Awesome. So uh, we're uh, it's it's getting close. It's going to be uh, September tenth before you know it. Yeah. Can't wait. Ah, man, me neither. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again, as always. I look forward to doing it again real soon. Sounds good. Sounds great. <laughs>